Welcome to episode 277 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we preview State of Origin Game 3. We discuss the Bulldogs and the Tigers crisis and much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 277 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, we're on the eve of State of Origin Game 3. Are you pumped for a yes, dead rubber? Well, <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Nothing nothing pumps harder than a dead rubber, right? Um, <laughs> you are right. And, uh, and look, like, you know... Uh, I wish I could say from a rugby league, uh, you know, fan point of view, I've got I've got more than just the state of origin to look forward to, but I but I really don't actually, um, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> just just you know another season to to like you know uh, you know be jealous of friends who support better teams, you know, that's uh, that's basically where it's uh, it's all come to. But look. You know, I'm sure there is a, an antidote to my, uh, you know, rugby league depression. But uh, how how's things on your end? Um, you know, a good win against the bye for the Eels this week. <laughs> That's right. Look, we we did nothing. This is a typical Eels. We do nothing, and we jumped up the ladder as a result. So we are now we are now six on the ladder, uh, yeah. and uh, you know we're going all right. Actually, look and and we'll. we'll I guess we'll talk uh, later, but look, the Eels are going all right. They've actually got, mm. surprise, surprise, the best attack in the competition. 440. Wow. They're, they're number one. Um, wow. Not so much Even the defense. Even though another team scored 74 <laughs> points against the, another team this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Look, yeah, which one is that team? Hang on, I'm trying to look for them. Yeah, no, look, they got close. They, ju- they jumped up to, you know... Well, they're in the 400s as well. They're not too far from the Eels, actually. That's uh, the Cowboys you're talking about, obviously. Um, look, the Knights as well. We'll talk about that as well. <laughs> Coming up, what they did to the Bulldogs. Look, um, yeah, as an Eels fan, I think um, it's uh, look. It's good to see them climb up the ladder. Um, it's a it's it's a shame to see what's happening to the Bulldogs and the Tigers. Though. I think. Yeah, we've definitely we are definitely going to talk about them uh, in this episode because I think we've got um, I'm sure we've got some opinions about what what they what each of them need to do. I know it's all about the Bulldogs at the moment, but I think it's um, maybe the expectations are a bit higher for the Bulldogs, but definitely the Tigers. Uh, they've had certainly lots of ups and downs, and uh, this year and the just the downs will continue to get lower and, and lower, unfortunately. Um, so look, a real, real shame about that, but, but yeah, look, um, I sympathize with you and other Tigers fans and, you know, out there who've, uh, had not much to look forward to this year or, or, or for several years actually. And, uh, I don't know if there's a way out. So, um, you know, on, in contrast, the Bulldogs are actually starting to do some things. So that maybe, maybe we'll talk about that later, the details of that, but it, you know, as a Tigers fan, I sympathize with you. 
and uh yeah um it's uh well hopefully there's other things to look forward to you know hopefully the the you can crack open a popcorn and and watch the shenanigans that are the blues team for the origin in game three maybe that'll entertain you what do you think yeah hopefully hopefully there is a bit of a uh a bradassance um you know with, with brad fitler like you know and his team um but look you know it's, it's going to be interesting you know like um how, how this game is going to go about and look once again oh, look there's actually a really big story that we haven't even touched on i know we'll get to that as well with the rlpa and everything like that but like you know lots happening in the world of rugby league i mean this is like mid-season and you t- expect everything to like sort of uh, you know, uh, sort of quietened down, but it really hasn't. So, uh, can't wait to to to, to sort of uh, get deep dive into everything. All right. Well, here we go. Firstly, with tackle number one, it's the review of the round eighteen of the NRL. Here we go. All right. Um, you know, eight big games and uh, <laughs> eight big stories to tell because each of them told a very interesting story. A lot of floggings to talk about. Um, first of all, we had the derby, the local derby, the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks, 52 to 16 against the St. George Illawarra Dragons, who can't catch a trick this year in front of 10,000 or so fans at Points Bet Stadium. Um, South Sydney Rabbitohs, 28 to 6, uh, stamping their premiership claims once again against the New Zealand Warriors at Go Media Stadium in front of a big 22,000 down there in uh, wherever Go Media is. Uh, well done in New Zealand. Um, <laughs> Panthers, the town of Go Media, of course. Uh, Penrith Panthers, 34 to 16 over the Melbourne Storm. Um, that is a big, big story because, uh, you know, Melbourne Storm was sort of showing, you know, they've got this kind of you know, post-origin kind of bump that you get with the Storm where the players from Queensland go back there and, and just perform really well. But the Panthers, uh, you know, given some of their players and what they've they've had to kind of uh, endure, especially Luai, um, you know, 34-16, I mean, that is a message being sent to 26,000 or so fans at Marvel Stadium in Melbourne. Well done, Panthers. The Raiders, still under the radar, 26-22 to 22 against the Gold Coast Titans at GRS Stadium from 11,000 fans. Cowboys, 74-0 against the West Tigers at Queensland Country Bank Stadium from 20,000 fans. That was, uh, yeah, that was doomsday for the Tigers. That was total revenge after what happened not so long ago in complete reverse, which boggles the mind how this, how, what, uh, what just happened, uh, you know. Anyway, uh, Broncos 24-16, local derby against the Dolphins at the Gabba in front of a big 30,000 crowd. The Newcastle Knights, uh, 66-0 against the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs in front of 11,000 at Accor Stadium. So dreary uh, crowd, dreary day, and especially poor for the Bulldogs. Um, And, uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute because their reaction wasn't very good either. Uh, especially the fans. Manly wearing the Seagulls, 18 to 16 against the Sydney Roosters in front of 17,000 fans at Four Pines Park. And then Dubai was with Parramatta Eels. Look, we're going to talk about the Bulldogs and the Tigers and, and what's happened to them because they have hit historic lows, I think, uh, this weekend. Um, 
you know, but the other the other thing to talk about is uh, look, Penrith Panthers, South Sydney back in form, Cronulla, of course. There's the 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 teams that you're expecting to be at the top are coming back to form. Um, Manly against the Roosters, you know, again, these are teams that are kind of roughly, you know, similar in in their stature at the moment in uh, rugby league. Broncos against the Dolphins, again, the Dolphins are always there, uh, close enough to the to the leaders in the competition. Um, and and yeah, what else to say? I mean, look, it's. Uh, Extremely sad day for uh, for well, sad weekend for Bulldogs and Tigers fans. Um, who look even despite all that, the Bulldogs are still not last. <laughs> they're, they're third last. Dragons are below them and uh, on equal points the West Tigers. And in fact, they're four and against. Um, you know, oddly enough the foreign the worst foreign against in the competition is the bulldogs at the moment at minus 220 which is absolutely unbelievable um, and they're a fair way behind the dragons and the tigers so but for the fact that they've had um, you know luck i guess in some some games uh, you know they're they're actually performing a lot worse i think than people realize and they're in crisis mode so we will definitely dive into the crisis at the moment but look the latter the way it stands at the moment is panthers and broncos are equal on 26 points then you've got the sharks the storm and the raiders equal on 24 points then you've got the eels the rabbitos and the warriors equal on 22 points and that rounds out the eight and then you've got very closely behind cowboys and titans on 20 sea eagles on 19 dolphins on and Roosters on 18, uh, Knights 17, Bulldogs 14, Dragons, Tigers 12. So the top eight is starting to take shape, although there's going to be a battle there uh, for the last couple of spots, I think. But, um, yeah, the Raiders and the Eels and the Rabbitohs moved up this weekend, um, but the Panthers and the Broncos still the teams to beat in terms of, uh, you know, the, the key thing I think is the the – Panthers' defence continues to kind of um, give them an advantage over every other team. So, you know, if you're talking about Eels and Panthers' possible grand final rematch, you've got the the best attacking team versus the best defensive team uh, as it stands now. So, look, a lot of exciting times ahead. But, Tish, um, what's your review of the round that we just saw? Okay, well, first of all, like, uh, uh, you know, the last round was actually Brini, uh, Beanie for brain cancer round, which obviously is a good initiative by the NRL and I think the Mark Hughes Foundation. Yeah. Um, yep. So so well done to uh, the Bulldogs and the West Tigers because uh, Sportsbet was pledging $1,000 per try scored um, and the Bulldogs, with their defence, raised $11,000. <laughs> the West Tigers raised $13,000. Oh, goodness. Um, and a little bit behind them is is the Dragons, who actually also uh, raised nine thousand uh, dollars, you know, with their defense as well. So, uh, yeah. So look, uh, I suppose look, uh, you know, I'd be more. This is actually giving me a lot more comfort because at least, at least it wasn't bad for everybody, <laughs> right? At least <laughs> yeah. cancer research won when the Tigers lost. Uh, you know, so. Um, so that that's a good thing, but look, I, I think um, as you said, like you know, the teams that performed well last year, I think uh, you know, like usually this is a bit of a lull period for these teams because of so many players playing in Origin. But 
you know, with the um, you know, with the way the selections have gone and maybe the way they injure some of the other uh, teams that are sort of not going well, um, they've kind of you know, I think the teams that actually are going to be in the finals, they're all sort of in the top eight. Probably the one that is really taking form is actually the team that beat the Tigers, and that's the Cowboys. I mean, they're still out of the top eight, so you know they had a horrible start to the season, but they've, you know, they've just, you know, they just beat. Um, you know, the week before they sort of beat the uh, okay. I'm trying to think. Well, they beat the Panthers two weeks ago, and then I think they bought, beat the Broncos the week before that, right? So, um, yeah, so they're they're on a bit of a form. So they beat teams one and two last couple of weeks, and then absolutely smashing the Tigers. So they're kind of uh, yeah, they're kind of showing some improvement, but they're still outside the top eight. Um, the other one that is very- oh, they beat the Rabbitohs thirty-one to six. That's who you're thinking. Yeah, that's it. That's it. They beat the Rabbitohs as yep. well. So, yeah. The other one that is also quite interesting about what's happening with them is the high flyers at the start of the season, the Dolphins, they've actually lost their last four games. Um, and now they're sitting at 12th position as well. So, uh, hopefully, I mean, it, it was quite exciting to see their uh, meteoric rise this year. Um, maybe with some origin players coming back, maybe some injuries coming back, maybe they will have you know, after the origin season concludes next Wednesday, maybe they might be able to, to come back. But look, very interesting competition, I, th- I still think. Um, yeah, we're getting these lopsided, uh, you know, sort of uh, score lines. We might have a few more to go before the end of the year. But I think overall, um, it's uh, it's a pretty, yeah, it's a pretty, uh, yeah, I think things are sort of, um, you know, the, the good teams are separating themselves from the bad teams, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think with the Dolphins, I, I would expect, I mean, just looking at who they've played, they've played pretty much a lot of the tough teams already um, and uh, in the teams above them. And I think if I'm looking at the run home uh, from from this week on, they've got, you know, well, they do have, you know, Panthers coming up, but they've they've got a much easier run than I think people anticipate. So I expect the Dolphins to be up there as well. But anyway, enough of that. Let's move on to tackle number two. We are going to talk about the State of Origin Game 3 preview. Let's get the easy bit out of the way for the Game 3 preview. That's the Queensland squad. The, the team that's won the series, they have no reason to make wholesale changes. Uh, they just have to fill in the gaps where there's been injuries or suspensions. So we know Reese Walsh is out with suspension. I think Thomas Flegler is out. Uh, was, was he selected out or there's an injury or something? I'm not really sure. Uh, but what we've got is uh, Corey Horsberg, Jermaine Hopgood and Tom Dearden as uh, replacements. Um, let me go through the squad that Billy Slater has uh, has announced and, uh, and and then we can go to the, the real difficult bit, which is what New South Wales is doing. Uh, at fullback, we've got AJ Brimson that comes straight in for Reese Walsh. Xavier Coates and Murray Talangi at the uh, on the wings, Valentine Holmes and the Hammer, Hamizo, Taboy Fido in the centres. Cameron Munster at six. Daly Cherry Evans, captain at seven. In the forwards, we've got Patrick Carrigan at lock. Jeremiah Nanai and David Fafita in second row. In the front row, we've got Ruben Cotter and Tino and Harry Grant at number nine. And on the bench, we've got Ben Hunt, Lindsay Collins, uh, Muaki Fatuika and Corey Horsberg. 
And in the reserves uh, is Tom Dearden and Jermaine Hopgood. Uh, obviously, is Jermaine Hopgood is a is an Eels player, so that's not bad, <laughs> pretty good. Um, we've got in the Blues, we've got a completely different situation. We have many wholesale changes. Now, let me ask you before I launch into the squad. You know, without pretend you don't know what the squad is, Tish. I'm, I know you do, but just pretend you don't. You know what's happened this this year. Brad Fiddler in the firing line uh, seems to have been out out coached by Billy Slater and and you know made some pretty bad blunders in game two, especially putting Damien Cook in the centres, etc. Without trying to think about other combinations. Um, what would you think to expect this New South Wales Blues to look like? Do you think that they would have gone for a, a youth policy, trying to look ahead for the future for next year? Do you think they're desperate to win this game um, to to kind of you know bring pull out all stops to make sure we don't get a clean sweep against us? What do you think is the Blues or should be the Blues strategy? Mm. Yeah, good question. Do you, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good question. What do you, you know? Do we do we take this short term benefit or long term game? I think I want to have an eye on the future a little bit, right? So I probably would stick with a pretty solid spine, I would say, and then make a couple of young gun selections. That's probably what I would say. Um, I certainly wouldn't bring anybody back if they uh, if they hadn't played Origin for a while. Well, 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 well. Let me tell you what they have actually done. First, okay. first, I'll tell you the squad and the team, and then we'll summarize the ins and outs, and you'll see what. Uh, and then we can look again, and I'll ask you the question again. What do you think was their strategy? <laughs> and we'll see where we go. We've got James Sadesco, captain, fullback, no change. On the wings, Brian Toll and Josh Adokar, no change. In the centers, we've got Stephen Crichton on one side. Bradman Best on the other side. Never heard of him until now uh, as a as a state of origin, as a state of origin contender. Um, you know, out of nowhere, Cody Walker brought back at number six to partner with Mitchell Moses at number seven. Uh, admittedly, he did play well in, in game two anyway. And uh, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that later. In the forwards, Cameron Murray is now at lock. Uh, we've got uh, Keon Ka- Kaloa Matangi in the second row, partnering Liam Martin. Fair enough. In the front row, we have Damien Cook at nine. Completely different to last time. We've got <laughs> Jake Trebojevic and Reagan Campbell-Gillard making their return from either you know the wilderness or injury. <laughs> um, interchange, we've got Isaiah Yo. Jacob Saifiti, Reese Robson, and Clint Gutherson from the Eels. And in reserves, we've got Scott Drinkwater and Spencer Lenu. Tish, now that I've told you what the squad is, what can you surmise is the strategy there from the Blues? Is it youth? Is it all guns blazing? What is it? Mm, I think it is, uh, it is, is basically let's get all the darts and throw them all at the board at once and see where we land, right? So, um, you know, let's uh, let's change up the spine. Let's get in some experience, but, like, experience that I don't think has actually uh, performed at Origin. 
um, you know, in, in previous attempts. Uh, and, and you know, let's take out somebody who was probably a, a solid member of the first two games in the spine, right, uh, in Jerome Loy. Uh, and you know what? Let's add Bradman Best. That, uh, I know a lot of people, like, you know, um, uh, I know that, uh, sorry, and uh, uh, Greg Alexander, you know, he got a little bit upset when people were questioning the selection of Bradman Best and calling it, you know, how, how rude and, and all that is for people to question Bradman's best selection. Um, so, look, obviously, you know, he's got an origin berth. I get it. Like, you know, sometimes plays you, you've have hardly heard of, they come into origin and they become fantastic uh, long-term players. Maybe Bradman Best is going to be that way. But, like, for all of us, we sort of think, well, Newcastle, they're not really, I mean, apart from last weekend, they weren't really a, a top contending team at the moment. There seems to be quite a number of centres that we could pick and they've gone with Bradman Best somehow. Like, it feels way crazy, but it's okay. And, um, yeah, and then, like, lots of other changes. Look, there are actually some changes I do agree with, with the uh, New South Wales team. Um, I do agree with Cameron Murray uh, coming in because I thought – and Lee Martin, I thought them two were really good off the bench, and the fact that they, uh, the fact that these guys are starting, I think is fantastic. Uh, Junior Paolo, uh, Jake Trevojevic, I suppose Jake would have been selected if he was fit, right? So I think that's where that comes in. Uh, Regan Campbell Girl, I'm a big fan of, so I'm glad that he actually got his shot again. Um, but you know, uh, you know, I don't know what happened to uh, to to Payne Haas. <laughs> I don't know what happened to these Payne Haas is injured. I believe there's, that's an injury, Yeah, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Uh, so I, I don't think anyone – I think, don't think Tyson, Payne Haas was selected out. I think injured. it was an injury. Yeah. Tyson Frizzell injured. Is he injured too? He's another out. Uh, I don't know if Frizzell is injured. Yeah. No, so let, let me – just as you're on that, let me just remind – let me just summarise for the, the, the Blues – We've got Bradman Best, Clint Gutherson, Cody Walker, Saifiti, Jake Trebojevic, Keon, Reagan, Campbell Giller, Scott Drinkwater, and Spencer Lenu. Admittedly, the last two are reserves, not actually in the squad, yep. uh, in the actual team. Um, they're the ins. The outs are Hudson Young, out. Jerome Luai, out. Junior Paulo, out. Matt Burden, out. Payne Haas, I think injury, out. Stefano uh, Itoikamanu. Stefano, yep. sorry. sorry. Yep. Tommy Trebojevic, injury, out. Tyson Frizzell, unknown, possibly selected out. So, look, lots of people ins and outs. cut and, yep. you know, ins and outs. What we are seeing, let's let's go through the squad and then and, and talk through. Look, we may as well focus on the Blues because this is, uh, you know, again, the strategy isn't really there, but let's talk about each one, really. So, we've got the fullback captain, James Tedesco, two very poor games from him. Uh, still the captain, still at number one. Doesn't would know how you, to pass still. Does, still doesn't know how to pass. Would you have selected him or would you have gone, you know... For Dylan Edwards, right? Or possibly, well, you know, maybe Dylan Edwards. Um, I guess the other thing that's interesting is Clint Gutherson in the, in the reserves. Uh, potentially they're thinking, yes. you know... Maybe he was the one that's the next in line. I don't know about Dylan Edwards. I think what I can say is, and maybe this is my Eels, uh, you know, bias showing, if I was to put up Dylan Edwards and Clint Gutherson head-to-head as contenders for the Blues number one jersey, I would go for uh, Clint Gutherson, mainly because he is one of the main reasons why 
um, you know, we the blue the the Eels they got got to the grand final last year, and I know you're thinking, well, the Panthers have won two in a row, but Dylan Edwards was probably not the main reason for that. I think if you take Gutherson out of the Eels, they don't make it. Whereas you take Dylan Edwards out, and you possibly still get with Cleary and Luai and all the others a strong Panthers squad that still wins two premierships, and. Oh, that's that's my view. Others might might disagree and think, yeah. well, no, actually, Dylan Edwards performs week in and week out. I think what I look at is with uh, Clint Gutherson, he was removed from State of Origin and never selected again for the last what two, three years, whatever it was. For what reason? <laughs> you know, this this uh, and and you know, let me flavor this by saying. Everything we're going to say about the Blues is, is the, in the back of our minds is. Why is it we always do this chop and change thing? It makes no sense. It doesn't instill any loyalty from the players. And and it's often never about the best of the best. It's often about, you know, who, who knows what it's about? And it's gotten worse. I mean, Bradman Best, I've, I'm sure he will have a good long career in origin. He was not even in contention in the top three or four centres in consideration from game one, all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere. It seems to me, Tish, that um, Brad Fittler was watching the Ashes series late at night and somehow conjured up the idea of Don Bradman and thought, we need, you know, <laughs> we need a new centre. Don Bradman, Bradman, best, and he's the best. We need the best centre. There you go. It, it is literally that level of stupidity to, to select someone, uh, you know, unless they really see that he's got that future ahead of him. But what happened to the others? <laughs> what, what, are they no, what happened to Talakai last year? Got given 10 minutes, m- made a couple of blunders at the last minute and never to be seen again. Yet he, th- there he is still performing quite well for the Cronulla Sharks that are in the top four and have been for a couple of years. You know, it, it boggles the mind why they completely changed direction and yeah. don't give a player a chance to to make things right. Um, this is the, the 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 curse of the New South Wales Blues selection um, process that we just seem to never get it right, and we will always be at a disadvantage, unfortunately. So look, Tedesco at number one. I don't know if you could have gone any better. I guess Turbo was injured. Um, you know, there are others potentially there, but yeah. obviously they they with the captain like Tedesco. It is the case of let's give him another chance and then most likely uh, it'll be next year when that decision has to be made about whether to select him or not. Um, but at the moment, I think as captain, it's very hard to drop him. So I can understand that. Um, the wingers, uh, To'o and Josh Adokar. I think Brian To'o is safe regardless of what you – I think he's one of the best wingers in New South Wales without doubt. Josh Adokar has had a shocking season. <laughs> he has not played very well. Um, you know, he's, he's had a bit of injury cloud. The Bulldogs are not going well. He continues to, you know, perform. He didn't perform very well for those two games. He didn't go looking for the ball. I know people were saying he didn't pass, get past the ball, but he also didn't go looking for it. He didn't. There, there was no trick plays. There was no way of utilising his speed. I don't even know if he's as fast as he as he uh, was last year when when he got you know didn't even get selected. Tish, Josh Adokar, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I mean, um, there was a few tries scored on his side, right? <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So, so I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, look, I, I guess he he is that X factor. Um, 
you know, did look we 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 lost. Let, let let's be. I mean, if we if we want to break down what happened in game two, we lost because of a bad uh, positioning in the centres, basically getting an injury and not having a replacement. So we picked Bradman Best, who I'm guessing is maybe more of a defensive centre. Um, yeah, but then it really affected. Actually, I think it affected Toho more than it affected Josh Adokai, right? So, yeah, uh, look, I don't think he's had a good enough game to sort of uh, to sort of go uh, to sort of you know get that chance. Um, but look, I, I also you know coming back to your point about Tedesco and uh, and so forth, I actually really like Clint Gutherson on the bench, but I also feel like Clint Gutherson could be in the centres where Bradman Best mm. is going to be. Um, as far as the wings, look, I don't think... Look, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they both... I, I don't know the running meters that Josh Adekar had done, but I think Toha does enough in attack for me, for me to keep him. Yeah. Um, you know, who do we put in? Uh, do we put an Alex Johnston in, more of a try scorer in a top top team, maybe? I, I mean, I wouldn't be against that idea. Oh, that's a good point. Why not? He is now... Oh, by the way, great that you mentioned it. He is now, I believe, in the top three try scorers of all time. Uh, wow. Very recently, I'll, I'll double check that as we talk. But I believe he actually surpassed, um, yeah, some uh, some pretty Other key players. Uh, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's interesting, but yeah, great point. Why isn't Alex Johnson being, um, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 terrible. Anyway. So, you know, he's equal with uh, Steve Menzies at the moment, or he may have surpassed him recently. He's only got Ken Irvine and Billy Slater in front of him. He will probably will surpass Billy Slater if he stay, sticks around for another year or so, uh, which will put him second best of all time. He may possibly even get be- uh, most tries uh, after, you know, if he sticks long enough and beats Ken Irvine, which, you know, why isn't this player considered <laughs> in, as, yeah. as a winger? Why? Yeah, he doesn't really have many defensive issues he's a great try scorer um consistently finds a line uh, regardless of who's inside him and he's had lots of different centers inside him mm. anyway just yeah it's a good point there um but yeah speaking of rabbitos i guess we should we move on to the five eight because cody yeah. walker um you know a couple of years ago was the last time he played uh didn't really perform and now they've brought him back now in place of Jerome Luai, who was actually not too bad, I think, in the first yeah. two games. Now, I get the feeling that that part of the reason why Jerome Luai was dropped was a cultural thing. I believe it was Brad Fittler being swayed by um, Luai's kind of lashing out on Twitter to fans that, you know, gave him death threats, and he responded by saying, you know, what did he say? It was, uh, it was like uh, chill chill out idiots you you guys are the the ones that are going to work tomorrow you know which a lot of people took as offensive to the regular nine to five <laughs> you know workers working population mm. which is not a smart thing to say if you're a rugby league player because <laughs> yeah. they, they are your bread and butter your fans um but, but I don't he, think... was, he, he was replying to people who gave him death threats right death threats yeah so, I so think... not, not the person who gave the death threats got sacked the one who was replying <laughs> And Look, just this... people that hey, be careful what you write on social media, right? Like, yeah, that's right. But yeah. I wonder if Brad Fittler way. was swayed by that, and and maybe maybe that's a part of it. It's a cultural thing. Maybe they don't like that. But you know, look, and and 
it sounds like I guess what I'm saying is it sounds like uh, there was social media hype and media hype to get rid of Jerome Luai, and it happened. And I don't. And a lot of it was they call it the boombox culture. They're talking about the players that listen to music and he's he boombox and it's a Panthers thing. You know, no mention at all of the fact that there's plenty of players in the Queensland squad that have the same culture of of the the Penrith Panthers players of listening to music and you know all that sort of stuff. And and well, even more so. There's even you know, and it's not even allegations. There's there's drug taking in in the past of certain players who uh, shall remain nameless, but I think a lot of our listeners know who they are who were hyped up in this state of origin series as well. And so again, the media selective uh, selectively looks at one thing and it seems like there was a witch hunt and a, you know, witch hunt to get Jerome Luai and they got him. Unfortunately, what happens is who do you replace him with? You surely have to replace him with someone better. Um, Cody Walker. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess Cody Walker has been performing well for the Rabbitohs last year and this year, but has he been for been performing well enough to be considered for state of origin again, given that he didn't really perform uh, that well in the last time that he played? Tish, your thoughts about Cody Walker? Yeah, look, I'm a Cody Walker fan. I think he's a great player. Uh, you know, I think he's like super deadly. Uh, you know, you know, in attack. Uh, however, I do also understand the point of he didn't really do that well for state of origin. Um, at all, right? So uh, I would like to, uh, obviously, yeah, that's the thing. You're sort of taking guy Jerome Luai, who has had a pretty good career in State of Origin, and I think he's sort of performed well. You're taking him out and putting in, giving a chance to another guy um, who who's had chances and, uh, you know, I don't think has made the most of those changes. And then you're putting it together with somebody else in Mitchell Moses, I think, this also affects Moses as well because you've got a guy, um, Mitchell Moses, who's still trying to get his, um, you know, he's got this position because of an injury, but he really wants to make the most of it. And you've paired him up with a 5'8", who's also in a similar sort of mindset. So I don't know. I mean, like, um, two guys who want to, who like to control the show, given the reins to run the team, who who gets, who gets the, who gets the senior voice? in this conversation. That's what I think might be a bit of a, a bit of a thing. It's a, it's a bit of an odd couple, I think for, uh, for, for, uh, um, you know, for state of origin and probably part of the reason why is probably their game is both pretty similar. Um, they're both ball runners who can create gaps for other people. Um, so, you know, one's going to miss out. So don't know how that combination is going to go. Had they ever played together before? Not sure, but, who knows? Maybe this could be the genius stroke, and like just everything that you sort of described to me, kind of, kind of paints Bradfield in a different light for me now than what I've been used to. Because what I'm, what I'm, try- what I'm hearing is that okay, not so happy about the boombox culture, right? That exists with the young players, so he's gone for a, f- a little bit mature, a little bit older players. But look, that's the kind of criticism you always get from the older players, you know, like ah, oh, you know. Rugby league has changed so much since my day. They should go back to this. They should bring back the biff, right? And then now when you're like saying, okay, culture change, well, you've got to realize this is what the team, this is what young kids are sort of into now, right? And, you know, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily like, uh, you know, bad 
players or bad winners or whatever, maybe that's the way young guys these days go out there and actually prep themselves up for a game. And, you know, like, you know, I'm sure in Fittler's day and, and some of the other selectors, maybe the, some of the things they did around the dressing room weren't necessarily considered like, uh, you know, oh, what are these kids doing sort of thing, right? So I, I'm kind of a bit weary when it comes to that because I think, you know, what do you expect them to do? Do you expect them to act like 1800 gentlemen, <laughs> like from the you know from the 1800s? No, right? So, so yeah. So I I, I don't know. Look, if there's like uh you know uh tension in the group, like you know like people don't get along, you know Jerome and and Mitchell, you know they sort of get jealous of like you know uh, of the time Tedesco and uh, Moses spent together after their you know roommate reunion type of thing. Um, you know, maybe that's what it is. I don't know, but it's it's interesting. <laughs> One good thing is is that Cody Walker, Damian Cook, uh, combination is there, which is going to be interesting. And I suppose Mitchell Moses has got uh, well, Regan Campbell Gillard, and maybe Gutho off the bench. So you do have uh, an opportunity for some really good combination play, perhaps, and maybe that's where Freddie's thinking. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly what uh, we've heard before about the Penrith and Panthers combinations that haven't really worked out for us. Again, the questions remain around, is Crichton, Bradman best? Are they the best centres? You know, the, there's always that question in my mind about, uh, are we picking the best? Mitchell Moses at seven, I think is fair enough, considering I know there's going to be a lot of talk about Nico Hines again. What did he do? How come he wasn't selected again? Um, you know, and that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Why wasn't he selected? Why wasn't it a Hines and Moses 5'8 and halfback combination? Maybe because they're too similar in style, potentially, and, and maybe that's that's the challenge. I mean, let's not forget, we've we've lived through eras where we've had absolute once-in-a-generation kind of halfbacks vying for, uh, you know, a single spot in the Kangaroos. We've had Langer, Stewart, we've had Mortimer and Sterling, all of those battles for, for halfback. And in the end of the day, one gets selected over another. You can't pick both of them. You have to select one, and often it's because of the style of play that you want to go for. So I think maybe Fiddler, I can understand that and I can forgive that. What I can't forgive, though, is, uh, you know, the whole situation with Nico Hines not, not being given a chance in game one and being the scapegoat in a way. And I think that's what, what the issue that I have is that there's a lot of scapegoating going on with some of these players. Uh, in the forwards, we've got, um, you know, Damien Cook should have been there all along at number nine. Instead, he had to come off the bench in game two. I don't know why. This is a correction, I think. That's a correct choice. Reese Robson on on the bench. I don't know what Reese Robson should be doing there. Is there a reason why Reese Robson, can he play other positions? I don't know. Um, we may end up in the same situation where we've got Reese Robson coming in for no reason in an unusual position, uh, unfamiliar and unable to handle it. So that's that's a challenge. Jake Chaboyevich and Reagan Campbell-Gillard absolutely should have been there from the beginning. There's no reason why either of those players, you know, Jake Chaboyevich I think may have been injured or, or I don't know, was he injured initially? That's probably why he wasn't selected in game one, but... Um, should have been there all along. In fact, was in my mind is a contender for for captain of New South Wales, perhaps, perhaps even next year. Lee Martin should be there. Keon Kalomatangi, you know, one. This is probably one of those looking to the future selections, and it's a good one. I think he, he's a great player. Cameron Murray at lock. Um, again, 
you know, what we saw in games one and two was Isaiah Yo actually similar to James Sadesco breaking down the play and completely shutting down innovation and creativity in the back line and, uh, you know, didn't do his job really, um, unfortunately. But Isaiah is still there, but he's on the interchange bench. So I don't know. Again, I don't know what point what point you're trying to make there, Freddie. Why keep him there at all if he's one of the reasons why we struggled offensively uh, in games one and two? Jacob Saifidi, I talked to you about this in the past. Like we've had different si- – Daniel Saifidi was once the flavor of the day. Now it's Jacob. I don't know why. Uh, again, is it because everyone just watched that one game uh, on the weekend where the Knights put it all together? I have no idea what the situation is. Uh, is Jacob Saifidi – hang on, maybe I've got it wrong. Is Jacob Saifidi from the Knights as well? Or, um, yes, or is he I think from- they are. Yeah, hard to tell because I think sometimes um, – yeah, I'm just double-checking. Uh, yeah, he plays for the Knights, so there you go. Look, uh, again, I don't know why why he was brought in. Uh, there are plenty of others that got they got booted out, Junior Paulo, others that could have been great impact players from the bench. Um, Reese Robson is there on the bench. Clint Gutherson, I think, is a smart move. Uh, he can actually play multiple positions, including 5'8", if you need him to, but... Again, there's a huge risk there um, with, with, with that. And then Drinkwater, Scott Drinkwater, Reserve, and Spencer Lenu. I think these are looking to the future kind of selections. Look, Tish, I know we've harped on a bit about the Blues, but it, there's a lot to go on there. And I think let me just boil it down to, you know, is this enough? Is this a team to stop the 3-0 clean sweep? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Okay. I, keep I just, it look, simple. <laughs> keep, keep it simple uh, because I think uh, I think what it comes down to is that you've made so many changes. Um, it's like a, a new look team, um, and you've only got ten days to prepare. But look, you know, you're putting all the conditions in place for an improbable victory, right? And then what we know about State of Origin is that expecting improbable to happen, right? Do you know what I mean? You know, this was supposed to be, you know, at times we've gone, this is the worst Queensland team ever and they come out and win. Um, so maybe we're going for that approach. You know, we're going to build New South Wales spirit by um, by sort of selecting a team that nobody can believe in uh, and then somehow we, <laughs> we, we win. Um, I want to go back to 1989 State of Origin because that was when Jack Gibson had first uh, become coach and I think he had Gavin Miller as the captain for the first time. But they lost 3-0 and they got smashed <laughs> in the third game, right? Um, so the interesting, which was, uh, and I think the third game was at Lane Park, right? Um, oh, no, no, it could be, no, that, yeah, no, the third, okay. So, but then from 1990 to 1994, three out of the four, I think including, uh, I think 91 was the only one that we lost, but then the other seasons, 90, 92, 93, and 94, Four out of five was well, you know four four out of five series wins, um, including a clean sweep. And if you look at the players from 1989, a lot of them made their debut in that season. So I think once you've lost the series, I think it's a good opportunity to then set up the next four or five years with you know a group of young players that you believe in um, who have played finals footy and have got a shot and. You know, you give them that experience, and I think in game three they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I think they had ten debutants. So, I suppose Freddie hasn't gone that crazy, but you know, the the the, the I suppose the the thing here is that 
he's kind of half done it and half not, where I really think he should have um, gone all out if he's going down this path of of like the future. Um, but but clearly no. Hey, I'm still I still can't tip Queensland. I'm still going to go for a Blues win, but I find it very hard for for them to win um, based on how settled Queensland look as well. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think um, let me let me let me wait till the tips to make my final decision. But I'm I'm you know I, it's very tough to tip the Blues, uh, but I'm hoping that the Eels triumvirate of Moses King Gutho and the Reagan Campbell Gillard the Mo. I'm hoping that they can bring it home, and uh, we'll see an, an eels. Possibly, there's there's a greater proportion of eels and rabbitos players in this squad, and I think uh, you know I think that's a good move. So I'm actually thinking they could actually win. It could surprise us all, um, uh, but that may kind of hide the the flaws that we see quite quite easily with the squad and looking to the future and the strategy, which is lacking, um, which brings us to tackle number three, where we're going to talk about, you know, we, we think the, the fitler should, should go and we need a new blues coach. And uh, some discussion has been had about who that might be. Let's revisit that tackle number three. Here we go. All right, so a lot of a lot of people are, are predicting that, in fact, uh, you know, we we will see a new uh, new Blues coach next year, uh, and there's uh, there's some people in particular that have uh, selected some interesting <laughs> interesting players. There's been a suggestion that Sam Burgess could be a Blues coach going forward. I don't know if that's even. Uh, you know, possible, but um, look, he has been, has he been there helping Brad Fittler in the, in the background as an assistant, I believe. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a bit unusual, but look, I'm not necessarily thinking that uh, Sam Burgess is going to be the blues coach. That makes no sense. He's never really played state of origin. Uh, I am thinking, however, that, that the, the favorite that has been emerging in the media recently is none other than Ricky Stewart, Current Canberra coach, um, I don't know what that means in terms of uh, he's certainly not going to give up his Canberra gig, but maybe they'll consider going to a part-time uh, kind of coach. But look, Ricky Stewart has, has firmed as a favourite in recent days. Um, Tish, what are your thoughts about Ricky Stewart back in the in the frame? Okay, what I have is two origin stints already as a coach. Uh, so three games in 2005 where they won 2-1, so, so well done. But then uh, back again, 2011, 2012, six games, two wins, four losses. Um, so it doesn't, doesn't give me that much confidence. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, so, so, so what I think we could do um, is if we're going to go, go back to failed New South Wales coaches uh, of recent memory, then who are playing, who are still coaching the NRL, I think I might go for Craig Bellamy, right? I know nine games, two two wins, seven losses. Okay, so even worse than thing. But you know, um, right now, who's the coach of uh, of uh, uh, Queensland? Uh, you know, uh, Billy Slater. What does Billy Slater know? Well, he was trained by Bellamy, so Bellamy taught Billy everything he knows. But I'm sure Bellamy knows a thing or two that Billy doesn't know. 
So mm. let the mind games begin. You know, apprentice versus uh, mentor. You know what I mean? Mm, uh, Obi Wan versus point. Anakin. Uh, you know, like uh, I'm trying to think. You know, all all these sort of you know uh, Leonardo versus Master Splinter. I'm just trying to figure out like you know all these sort of things. So, uh, but, but but Megatron versus uh, anyway, no, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bumblebee. <laughs> I don't know. But like, uh, but like, yeah. I think I think I think if you're going to go down that path, then that's fine. Look, the other thing, I, like as I said, I was, you know, I was. Quite, uh, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. I think the idea yeah. of maybe. Like a, a Robbie Farah, I, I think they said Michael Innes as well has put his hand up. I'm not 100 sure about that, but I, I think somebody who's been of recent memory to the Blues, because I don't think I think what's worked for Queensland is actually having uh, coaches. I mean, it's sort of worked with Billy, right? Having a coach that's sort of close to the players' generation, um, and I suppose it worked for Mal early on in his uh, tenure as well. I mean, I suppose he was 10 years retired, so maybe not Mal Mal, but. You know, the idea of, of having, like, um, you know, players who kind of bridge the gap, I think, is where I would lean towards. And, you know, that's that's where for New South Wales, it, it is hard because, you know, you're going to have to select a, a coach from an era where we didn't do that well. But I feel like uh, that's where a Robbie Farrow, who was, like, one of those players that broke through, can actually do it. Um, and he's sort of, you know, in assistant coaching already, right? So... So that's um, so that's 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 probably what I'd lean towards. Um, I can't think of anybody else. That's that's the other thing. I really can't think of anybody. Else. I don't think Andrew Johns can do it. Um, I suppose if we have to go back to Ricky and he wants the job, that's fine. But I wouldn't be comfortable with him coaching Canberra and coaching uh, coaching the Blues because because I, I, I could see some like you know some Raiders players that we've recently seen at Origin get selected again and then. You know, never play the ball quickly, but just get up and want to have a fight with everybody, which is what I don't want to see, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. How about yourself, Doctor T? Well, there's there's a, a left of field suggestion that we could get, um, you know, someone like a James Maloney, who has, uh, you know, had success in the NRL. Um, you know, that's a possibility. Um, although we don't know anything about uh, his wanting to coach at that level. Um, you know, I'm going to take a more scientific approach here. I'm looking at the last time we had a successful uh, kind of, uh, you know, we, winning Blues team that we could actually draw on. It was, you know, if we're talking about, well, we had that period of, you know, eight in a row or nine in a row, whatever it was. Uh, for Queensland, what was it? <laughs> was it eight in a row? Um, it was a disastrous series, uh, se- seasons, a few seasons for New South Wales. You have to go before that. You have to go to uh, 2003, four and five is the last time we had, we won three in a row um, and it mm. was a strong squad. Phil Gould was the coach then. So I'm not suggesting Phil Gould comes back because, uh, you know, I think that's that could be a, a, an issue. Um, I'm looking at who played, um, you know, who played in those series wins, and I'm just I'm just looking now at the the most recent one, 2005, where we won those two one. But if you look at the squads, the the last well, the first series of the of that 2003 was captained by Andrew Johns, 2004 and 2005. 
the captains were, well, the captain was Danny Badiris. Okay. Both times. Ricky mm-hmm. Stewart coached the 2005 season, but Phil Gould coached 2003 and four. And if I'm looking at then when the Queensland uh, dominance started, which was, let me just see, it was four, it was eight in a row. The Queensland dominance started when, let me see if there was a change. Now, Danny Badiris was still there, but then we had Graham Murray as coach and not uh, Ricky Stewart. So, so you know, again, it's the changing of the guard kind of situation. So Badiris was there for that loss, unfortunately, in 2006. In 2007, he was also captain. So well, that's probably a bad move. 2008, let's have a quick look. He was also captain. So unfortunately, Badiris has been there when we were winning three in a row. And then I believe his final kind of series was uh, uh, three, yep, three losses in a row as captain. And then that's when they moved to Robbie Farah and Mick Ennis. So if anyone understands origin, the heartbreak, but also how to win, it's mm. got to be Danny Badiris as uh, he's got to come in. What's he doing now? Does anyone know what he's doing now? Because I'm thinking, you know, what we don't want is someone who I is... I think I've already... seen him in the dressing rooms. Um, like, I mean, not doing anything uh, like weird, but like in the New South Wales dressing room, they go like, <laughs> you know, like like beforehand, like in the suit, like, you know, talking to players and things like that. So I think he's involved somehow. Yeah. Look, at, I can't see anything at the moment that, that uh, you know, what's his coaching career is like. He, uh, he was a, a assistant coach for a while at the Knights. He was made interim head coach for a little bit when Rick Stone was sacked. Uh, he is also a selector, I think, or has been a selector for the Blues um, recently. But I don't actually know whether he's committed. So, look, I'm I'm putting my hand in the yeah. ring for Danny Badiris. If you're looking wow. at a former player who knows, you know, he's got the respect of, of uh, you know, certainly not of the stature of Billy Slater to Queensland, but Danny mm-hmm. Badiris is a well-known entity. Um, and, look, the only other option I would think is we've got to bite the bullet and just say, Andrew or Matt Johns, get in there, <laughs> especially Andrew Johns. I mean, you know. How are you going to counter Billy Slater? But maybe Andrew Johns is a way to do it. So anyway, look, I'll leave it there. Tish, mm. there's a lot more to talk about. But look, yeah, we... Well, well, uh, well, look, i just come up with another idea, right? And oh, just, yeah. I'll just throw it out there. You might need to think about it or something. But what we have to break is Queensland spirit, right? How do you break <laughs> Queensland spirit by a coaching selection? Well, you pick one of their own, right? Ooh. So I think we should throw five million bucks a season... At Cooper Cronk. That's a good idea. That is a top idea. <laughs> yeah, and then therefore the the um, what will happen is that within the New South Wales camp, we know that Queensland spirit is actually a myth, right? <laughs> right, Look. and and we will not be affected by it anymore. That's what, what if we, we go? What if we go Wayne Bennett? <laughs> Even better. What? I was thinking Wayne Bennett, Wally Lewis. That would be amazing. Right. Even Cameron Smith. I, I, I'm for Cameron Smith. Throw 10 million at him. Right. Just just get him to coach New South Wales. Uh, See if they can do any better, right? Yeah. <laughs> wow. But that that's that's what we've got to do. We have got to get him at their jungle. That's that's this is the uh, you know, when uh, 
yeah, the final blow, you just got to aim at the neck, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> Rip it apart. Yeah, anyway. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, well, that's some good ideas. Let's let's come back to that and see where what we actually do. Uh, it will be a far cry from that, that's for sure. It will be a lot more uh, simpler than that. But look, there's a lot more happening in rugby league that we must talk about, and uh, it is about the uh, collective bargaining agreement. Disputes have broken down again, and uh, there's more to it uh, coming up in tackle number four. <laughs> All right, so the NRL's players, uh, backed by the Rugby League Players Association, RLPA, are taking drastic measures to strike against the NRL uh, as part of the uh, collective bargaining agreement talks that continue to break down with the NRL. They have – there's a few drastic measures. There are boycotts happening that they are proposing. So NRL players will boycott their media duties, including pre- and post-game commitments – from round 19 onwards, that was called the Darius Boyd Clause. Um, they're not going to talk much to the media. The Rugby League's Players Association says that player benefits have to return to pre-COVID levels as per the previous CBA. Um, Thomas Burgess says that players are not turning their backs on fans by refusing to engage in media in duties and media strikes announced by the RPA at an emergency press conference today mean that players are going to boycott post-match press conferences from round 19 and until further notice, including after Wednesday's final State of Origin match. So this is a State of Origin-affected series of yeah. actions. Um, so what we're seeing is, yeah, they're, they're saying they're not going to engage in pre-match, halftime, or post-match interviews on game day and being instructed not to take calls from journalists um, honestly, I think that's going to make for a better viewing uh, yeah. <laughs> viewing experience I'm on, at State of Origin. Football. Last thing Absolutely. I want to see is is uh, is Darren Lockyer and others chasing players as they're heading off the field. You know, disappointed for their poor first half performance. I don't want to hear it. So anyway, I I, I wholeheartedly agree. I don't want to see a pre match interview, a post match interview, a half time interview. I don't want to see the toss. Uh, you know, and I don't, I, I, to be honest, I, I'm not, you know, with them like having drinks and talking to Brad Fittler, I, I don't want that either. Like, do you know what I mean? Uh, uh, like, you know, that type of thing where they do the, you see the, uh, you see the celebration. I mean, shouldn't that be something that is behind closed doors anyway? The great sort of party type thing, you know, leave a little mystery out there. We don't need to see everything. Um, and yeah, just get former players are very parochial. Um, don't have a clue what's going on, but then, you know, just, like, give opinions on how we're going to smash him. I'd rather that as the entertainment before the uh, the game, right? So, yeah. But, look, uh, on a serious note, obviously, rugby league, it is the sport that started in the world because of player welfare, player players' rights. And, you know, 100 years, more than 100 years on, you know, it is still a game that, um, you know, uh, I suppose has that sort of things. Uh, and I suppose when the RLPA uh, has come out there, you know, obviously uh, there there's a lot of conditions that they want. I really don't know what all of them are. There was a suggestion that perhaps that uh, where the issues are is the number of games they play per year. And, um, you know, if the NRL extends the season, then, um, you know, there's no, uh, you know, the, the, you know, there should be some sort of consultation with the RLPA. 
uh, you know, how they uh, also, I think there, I, I heard something around about there is, a, you know, there's still a dispute on how much players should get paid for international games uh, and also having an international um, games towards the end of the year. So there is a lot to talk about. And I think it comes down to something that we've talked about on another topic. You know, if it is all about the the number of games played and the seasons played, you know, um, been on the play side a little bit. The season is too long already, right? So maybe, maybe like uh, at the end of this, uh, you know, uh, if we sort of look at what the players are sort of subjecting themselves to, what the game gets in terms of revenues, maybe uh, a shorter season, um, that adds more excitement for players, uh, you know, probably allows a lot more players to be able to play at that same level. You know, uh, it's all positive for me, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm a fan of the boycott. I don't know why. I just am. I think it's all great. <laughs> so um, um, this is like a dream come true a little bit, you know? Uh, yeah, so uh, how about yourself, Dr. Z? Oh, look, yeah, it's... Um... It's unfortunate that it's it's come at a time when things are mm. starting to break down in the negotiations. Um, what's also really challenging is it's a kind of whenever strikes and and things like that take place, you need to kind of think what are the consequences. And one of the consequences I think everyone's forgetting is that that what is the reputation of the players in the eyes of you know the fans at the moment. Um, it might not be that good at the moment. We're seeing a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, we talked about Luai and, and the way the fans have been treating him. There's a lot of kind of uh, antagonism, I think, from uh, the the public, the general rugby league public to certain players. Um, and I think there's also this, this sense of uh, the longer this drags on and the longer players are trying to extract everything they can from the NRL, the more uh, upset, I think, the general fan is going to be. I think they're seeing that the money that's going to the players in a time of economic difficulty at the moment with interest rates high and all this sort of stuff and 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 the rises and, and cost of living pressures, etc. I think the general public is sort of looking at these mostly young, very highly paid already players, um, especially at the top end, uh, who are in a way kind of entitled and, and looks like from the fans' perspective, these are entitled players. Um, you know, they, they don't have to really – it's not really work. It's it's play for some of them, and they treat it like that. Um, and yet here they are trying to, trying to extract everything they can in a negotiation from the NRL. And a lot of people are saying, well, why can't some of that money – you know, the more you extract as a playing organisation uh, from the NRL, the, the less money is going to eventually end up in grassroots footy and, and, and that kind of thing, which is, you know, it's not like there's an unlimited amount of money. So a lot of people do see through this and say, look, you know, yes, players should get what they deserve, but they're already very highly paid and overpaid compared to a lot of other professions for what they do. Um Every time they try and squeeze everything out of it, it's going to make it harder for grassroots rugby league and, and the game overall suffers. So, yes, I agree. Rugby league was born out of a player welfare and player payment issue. And and 
fundamental to rugby league is this sense of looking after the players and 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 you know what's fair and it's not an elitist sport it's for the everyday man everyday person and working class and it's always been that way and that's been the reputation this kind of activity is kind of throwing salt at the face of uh, and sand at the face of the working class in a way especially when mm-hmm. times are tough so um you know it's uh, the that's that's i guess the thing that to to think about is what that means in the long term for the way players are perceived we saw what happened with super league super league was uh, when that war happened every you know every player just uh, tried to get as much as they could out of these uh, warring factions and money all of a sudden came out of nowhere a lot of players were set up for life <laughs> because they were lucky enough to be born during that and and playing during that period and um you know that's i think the case now that if if uh, people sort of see that and and think well you know it's kind of not fair that these players are arguing over over this a few things here and there and at the end of the day uh the fans are the ones that suffer the grassroots isn't getting paid for and and things aren't getting upgraded uh but the players are happy because <laughs> they they fought very hard and they striked and they fought very well well maybe maybe i wonder if there's going to be a strike from uh grassroots footy you know i wonder whether this is going to cause a uh, groundswell of resentment um you know i'm just putting it out there i'm not saying that i support that but it's just something to think about that a lot of fans have, have, have are fed up with some of the players and their behaviors and um yeah, I don't know if this is going to help. So, look, let's uh, unless you have anything else to say, I'm suggesting let's move on and talk about another crisis that's happening with the Tigers and the Bulldogs. Tackle number five. Here we go. Well, Tish, uh, you know, the Bulldogs and the Tigers, I think, are undergoing a massive, massive crisis at the moment. We've seen this weekend, uh, you know, two of the worst floggings that either of these proud clubs have ever <laughs> have ever had. And obviously the Tigers, a lot of people have been talking about the Tigers and the Dragons being down the bottom, being an indicator of the 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 merger the merged clubs being a problem and that that, that you know it's never going to work and all that kind of thing i don't know if that's the case because we have seen both of these clubs have their level of success in the past but the bulldogs is a different thing altogether uh the bulldogs had a bit of you know quite a big uh you know market transfer situation a lot of players Mm. uh signing on for the bulldogs they had a new coach cameron serraldo one of the most hyped up coaching situations of all time i think for someone who's never you know (laughs) never never uh coached uh head coach of of a team at this level uh although has been part of the assistant coaching kind of academy that the the panthers seem to have churning out these great assistant coaches uh over the years look dogs and tigers are in crisis there's no two ways about it they're responding differently though uh the the bulldogs are responding you know gus gould is in the media talking about you know it's a rebuilding process etc um and and the bulldogs as well look i'm sure that there's been plenty of times when the tigers fans have booed the tigers but this weekend i think was a, a new low for the bulldogs we we heard you know not even that many fans it was like eleven thousand fans at a core stadium and they seem to 
very much boo the Bulldogs at halftime. I think a lot of them, uh, a lot of the fans are saying, you know, the Bulldogs didn't seem to sort of show up in terms of putting in effort. Um, and, you know, that again, players uh, up against fans, there was there was some reaction from Reid Marnie, who was co-captain, uh, about about the fans uh, not you know they sort of said if you're not going to be on the the journey with us on the bus with us hop off the bus <laughs> you know um, that is not the kind of thing that you say to a fan base that has you know is proud of their club and wants their players to dig in and perform and are not seeing the effort so I guess you could say the same thing about the Tigers um, but Tish. A lot to unpack there, but as a Tigers fan, I'll hand over the microphone to you. What do you think needs to happen at both the Bulldogs and the Tigers um, to to turn things around? Yeah, well, you know, uh, well, a lot. But what I what I'd say, uh, you know, I'm just trying to think about the common thread common thread with the Bulldogs and the Tigers, and I'm actually going to throw the Dragons in there too. And I think the issue is the M5 and the Hume Highway. Right. <laughs> okay. Because if you, if you if you start all the way out of Canberra on the Federal Highway, Canberra in the top eight, but then you travel up the Hume Highway, it's all Tiger Town, uh, you know, until you get to probably the, the, the tolls at Hammondville, which then I suppose will then turn it into into Bulldogs territory, uh, running 15th, and then you go all the way up to King George's Road or whatever it is, which now, you know, you're sort of getting into Kugana, right? You know, the 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 Dragons territory. So so maybe maybe a relocation is is warranted. And I'm particularly talking about the Tigers. Like, you know, I've always been against it, but I'm but I'm just thinking about this, you know, they've they they struggle to get the the players um uh from other clubs wanting to go there because you know M5 traffic is not what people want to deal with. Uh, getting back and forth from training, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it's not really desired suburbs. So maybe if they move into a more desirable location in Australia where people are like, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd love, like, you think about Melbourne Storm, I'd love to live in Melbourne. Yeah, let's go down. You know, it's away from the media, all that kind of stuff. Maybe a Perth. I, I'm now thinking that this is the answer because because <laughs> I don't, cause I have to do something. And I think uh, that that's one thing, and then because the other part about it is like, okay, so we're going for a younger strategy. That's great, but then you know, uh, is it really good for these kids to be losing seventy four nil every week? Maybe, mm. maybe not. I'm not sure, but I, I don't think so. Um, but like, you know, like, uh, you know, they don't seem to have that same sort of uh, jersey pride that say the Penrith Panthers team boys have, right? So where does where do they build that from? Uh, from a Tigers' point of view, um, you know, so that's what I probably say there. I think they also talked about the five-year plan. I suppose earlier in the year, so I think there was a a sense that this season is going to be a bad season, and they were right; it is a bad season. So I suppose maybe staying the course for another two or three years with the coaching regime, maybe Benji taking over next year, all that sort of stuff might happen, and that could trigger it. So I think I think they might have to hold the course that way. On the Bulldogs side, I think Phil Gould is just sort of saying, well, you know, we kind of expected it too because, you know, we're in a rebuilding phase um, uh, as well. So they're trying to build pathways and do the whole thing that, you know, that Phil does and he has that long-term plan. Um, the only thing about that, though, is that they did sign Rick Money, uh, you know, Kikau, um, Matt Burton. <laughs> They've actually, uh, you know, 
Uh, Josh Adokar, they've actually selected quite a number of players. I know injuries and all that are there. But, you know, I feel like the Bulldogs, um, I feel like they should be doing better. I, I kind of feel sorry for their fans in that way, right? Because I think that yeah. that they probably, yeah, they probably would have expected a lot more from this season. And, you know, they have a pretty, a pretty marquee spot as it is. And it's just, for whatever reason, hasn't quite worked. Um, again, it could be one of these situations where it, the team needs to be together for a longer period of time. Maybe that's what it is. And, uh, and yeah, but look, um, you know, I did, I did a bit of a, a ladder predictor uh, for my team, the Tigers, uh, if they won every game for, for, from now until the end. Have a guess at which position they'll end up. Ninth. Exactly. <laughs> they still can't make it, even if they win every game. Oh, the poor Tigers. All, <laughs> that's where we're at. So, so like, you know, and, but you know what? It's kind of like, uh, for as a Tigers fan, it's like, um, remember the days where we used to come ninth? Those were the days. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> those were the glory days. Those are the glory days. You know, all those years that we were haunted about coming ninth, well, we kind of want those days back, right? So, yeah. Oh my goodness! Well, that's that's uh you know. So what we what you're saying is uh, there needs to be relocations, and aiming for ninth is where we need to go for the Tigers and maybe yep, even that's the Bulldogs. What look, um, yeah, I, look, I don't know if that's going to help the Bulldogs that much, but I think look, yeah, there needs to be more accountability. I think there needs to be players that are paid so much money need to realise that fans recognise when there's the efforts not there. You know, when when the little one percentage plays are not are not are not taking place, when you're not doing that, when you're not kind of diving on the loose ball, and 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 it ends up really annoying the fans. And you know, I think the fans have a right to kind of boo in this situation, in this current economic climate. Um, you know that that the likelihood of that occurring is even higher because people's uh, patience is going to wear thin. Um, you know, for a, I, for a club that, you know, as an Eels fan, we hated the, 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 the Bulldogs in the 80s and continue to do so, I think, in this day and age. But you got to uh, – but there was a, an element of respect as well between the, the sets of fans. And I think as an Eels fan, I would say if I had to witness my team getting flogged 66-0 by a team that's not even – you know, the Cowboys, at least, you could argue, they're in contention for the finals. But the Knights are probably nowhere near there at the moment. And they're unlikely to get into the finals, whereas the Cowboys, you know, they were knocking on the door of a grand final last year. So they're close uh, and they're making their way back up the ladder, just as the Eels have recently as well. But how do you lose 66-0, not even score a point against a Knights team that has Kalen Ponger in it? <laughs> you know, you could just target your attack at him. You're likely to get a few line breaks. You know, didn't that happen? It, it literally happened a few weeks ago when Kalen Ponger came back from... From from injury that that he uh, they they attacked his side and and he just wasn't ready for it and he leaked like nine tries so like you know whichever way you look at it the bulldogs um, you know really their, their fan base has a, every right to be annoyed and very upset about what they've dished up this year despite the fact yes they've had injuries and it's a new coach and you can you know put all those things together but at the end of the day they've got a pretty good roster when you look at the the people that are there. Uh, performing and, and they're not just not performing. So, look, let's leave it there and uh, we'll keep an eye on the Bulldogs and the Tigers. But, uh, but look, for now, let's wrap this up by looking at 
the tips for round 19. Here is tackle number six. After the last round, I got seven out of eight. You got three out of eight, which brings me to a total of 78. I am still seven short of your 85 so far this year. Uh, let's see how we go for round 19. The teams are as, or the games are as follows. Tigers versus Sharks is the Thursday game at Combank Stadium. I cannot see past the Sharks winning this one. So Sharks mm-hmm. easily. I'm with you. Let's uh, Let's tip the Sharks. Dragons versus Raiders, a Friday night game at Wynn Stadium. Uh, I think the Raiders are specials for this one. Yeah, I agree. I think the Raiders uh, should get the the win over. Uh, yeah, the Dragons also not struggling. Also struggling. Yep. All right, Eels and Warriors Saturday at five thirty at Combank Stadium. Uh, it is. Uh, let's not forget this. These are state of origin affected games, so the Eels are going to be without Moses, Gutherson. <laughs> and Regan Campbell Gillard. It's going to be tough, but I still think the Eels will win this one. Yeah, look, I'm I'm with you again. I think the buy is is yeah. It, I think it sort of negates the the idea of losing a few plays to Origin. So I think I think the, the Parramatta will have a good showing and, and get the win. Saturday uh, uh, evening at a core stadium, we'll see the Rabbitohs take on the Bulldogs. I cannot see anything but a Rabbitohs victory. Yeah, I I agree. I think this uh, round is uh it's pretty standard here a little bit, right? So look, I think <laughs> yeah, I think the Rabbitohs for me on this one. And finally, the Sunday game is the Titans home game against the Dolphins. So pretty much a little bit of a uh, local derby there. I'm tipping the Titans to win this one. Okay, you know what? Let's. Let's give it to the Dolphins. Um, they need a win. I think they could get back on track. I mean, uh, Wayne Bennett's teams don't normally lose four in a row, right? So, yep. All right. And all the other teams are having a bye, but we're going to throw in a New South Wales Queensland prediction. I'm tipping the Blues. I've decided I'm sticking with them. I think it'll be a 2-1 uh, series victory for Queensland, but the Blues will claw back some pride. Okay. Let me... Let me uh... Let me torture myself. I'm going to tip Queensland. Um, so if New South Wales win, I will. <laughs> it's You'll a... be happy, but not as happy. I'll be as... happy. I'll be happy. I'll be happy either way, but not really. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if a prediction goes well, so yeah. there we go. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, look, that's it for the tips, and that's it for the podcast. I told you it was going to be an epic one. There's a lot happening in the world of rugby league. We will keep up to date with uh, with everything that's happening. But look. Uh, Tish, it's been a big one. Uh, State of Origin preview is the main game at the moment. We will do our reaction in the next podcast, our reaction uh, straight after the the State of Origin game. Uh, decider, not, not really, sorry, not a decider, game three. that's <laughs> already been decided. Uh, let's hope it's not a clean sweep. But if you're following Rugby League, get out there, support the, the games this weekend. Otherwise, we'll catch you next time. Tish, over to you to wrap things up. Well, thank you, Dr. T. I'd like to thank everybody for listening, but that's all the time we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.